What a gorgeous Carolina blue sky this morning. Anybody else? Woo! I saw a few of you coming in this morning representing like me, and we were doing this number, and uh, I'm telling you, there's nothing quite like a Carolina blue sky on a Sunday morning, and especially after yesterday's game. And uh, anyway, we might have revival uh, after all, but uh, anyway, you know, two years ago this week, The world forever changed. Two years ago this week, we were planning, preparing for uh, another Sunday and another Sunday of worship. And we were talking about mission trips that we were going to be taking that year. We were talking about upcoming opportunities that we would have to to go and serve. I've told you, I had all of 2020 mapped out every Sunday sermon exactly what we were going to be preaching, and we were studying in the book of Nehemiah, and church, it was amazing as we looked at what transpired during the course of that week. Our staff were, were praying, we were preparing, we were cleaning surfaces as they were saying, this virus is coming, and and everybody is, is getting in gear and trying to figure out what the normal would look like uh, as we as the week went on, and I remember as, as, as the week went by, we were coming up with our plan and, and what it would look like, how we would execute it, and, and be as safe as possible to meet. And then during the course of the week, I think it was about Thursday of that week, the government told us that they were shutting down the entire country. And if you remember, it was just two weeks. I mean, two weeks and we're going to fly this curve. And it's been the longest two, two years, I mean, two weeks of our lives. And, and, and thank God, I mean... Uh, cooler heads have prevailed at some point, and we are somewhat moving back towards a new normal. And, and church, in no way am I uh, underestimating or putting down the pandemic. But what I'm saying is, folks, we've come through one of the greatest storms probably any of us could register on our psyche. It's probably more than anything else any of us could compare what we faced in the last two years And if you're like me, you are completely exhausted. If you're like me, you're kind of, you've had it up to here with COVID. And if I hear the novel, coronavirus, COVID-19, any of those words, uh, again, it'd be too soon. And But the reality is, is church, we have faced one of the greatest storms of life. And no, nothing could have predicted, nobody, I don't know, a single person who could have even fathomed or imagined what we would face. And church, yet here we are two years later, the church of Jesus Christ marches on. And God is going to do greater things in His church in 2022, folks, than we could ever imagine, ask or think or or even dream of what God wants to accomplish. I invite you to turn in in the Word of God to Mark chapter 4. We're we're returning to our series in in the book of Mark, studying through the gospel of Mark. And I want to invite you this morning to climb into the boat. Uh, My wife and I bought a boat several years ago, four, five, six years ago. 
Uh, it's like now it's probably 17 years old, and uh, it was used when I got it, but it has brought a lot of joy uh, to our family. I mean, you, there's something about getting up there on a speedboat and uh, opening it wide open and, and getting some kids on the back on the, on the tube, or I've taken some guys from my life group out there and, and, and get out there on the water and just have a good time and, and, and make memories together. And there's something about it, but folks, my dad to this day has yet to step foot on my boat. He will not do it. I mean, God is he's watching online right now. He will not watch it. I said one time, I said, Dad, why don't you go out? Is what His excuse for the longest time, this is too hot. I mean, I'm not going out there in July. I mean, it's it's hot as mess. And I mean, he wouldn't get on, on the boat. And I said, Dad, why don't you go? I said, we'll go on a, on a day that it's cooler, you know, a, a day when it's kind of overcast and cloudy. And finally, I mean, I just, I've asked for years now. And one day he said, Sonny's like, I can't swim. I mean, if if we get out there in the middle and something happens to the boat, he says, I can't swim and I'm not taking my chances. I'm not ready to go to heaven right this second. Well, I mean, he is ready, but he's like, I'm not wanting to speed up the process. And, and so he says, I think, Dad, that's what your life jacket's for. I just put on the life jacket and get in the boat and you're going to be fine. And and to this day, maybe one day if we do, I'll post a, a selfie with him on the boat and show you. But I'm trying to get him out there on the boat. It's like, Dad, you used to go fishing. He said, I was a lot younger back then. And he said, I could probably swim or, or get to the edge of the, of, of the lake. But anyway, sometimes you have to get into the boat to go to the other side. And, and this morning, Jesus is inviting his disciples to get into the boat. And they're going to cross the Sea of Galilee and... And folks, it's there that they find and experience the presence and power of Almighty God. They see that He is very much sovereign and in control of life's situation. We see this morning His plan may be puzzling to us. Sometimes we look at over the last two years and you're like, how in the world could COVID-19 be a part of God's plan? Have you ever thought, have you considered for just a moment... Maybe God is trying to drive us to our knees. Maybe he's trying to drive us flat on our back in a hospital bed to get us to look up and see the one that we so desperately need is Jesus. Maybe Jesus allows us to go through the storms so that we learn to trust him through the storms of life. Folks, as we go through each one, he's preparing us for something greater in our lives. Let's look at his plan. It must be puzzling. It must be, his plan must be mind-blowing to, to so many of us. And in January, we looked at the parable of the, of the soils, and Jesus used a boat as a pulpit. And he taught, and people were there on the, the, the seashore, so to speak, and Jesus was teaching for a large crowd of people. And we see in verse 35, it says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Have you ever considered that Jesus may have wanted to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee? Why did he choose to do that? Why did he say, We've got to go over to the other side? What could they not accomplish over on this side? 
Maybe it was to escape the crowd and, and get some rest. We've seen many passages in the book of Mark where he's trying to get away to rest and get away from the large crowds. Maybe it was to free someone who is in bondage. Maybe it was to reach a different culture with the gospel. Maybe it was to teach and to, and to train the disciples that he was ministering to. But he, we're going to see here there's a purpose and a plan, but it was puzzling. I want us to focus on that last one for just a moment to teach and train the disciples. Because as Christ got into the boat, he knew exactly what the weather forecast was. I mentioned having a boat. Whenever I am uh, preparing to take family out on the boat, I'm, I'm watching the weather all week. And I'm like, hey, on Saturday morning, we're going to try to go out on the lake for a few hours. And I'm watching and there has been times we've had the boat loaded up. I mean, we have turned out of the subdivision, and we are getting on the interstate heading over to Jordan Lake, and it starts pouring, raining. And I'm sitting here going, wait a second. Somebody has messed up. Somebody has screwed up. It, I didn't see any rain in the forecast. And, or we've gotten out in the middle of the lake and, and get out there, and all of a sudden a thunderstorm blows up, and you're sitting here thinking, this is not a good place to be. I mean, we have totally uh, miscalculated the weather for the day. And, but Jesus is saying, maybe there's something he's trying to teach and train his disciples. The Sea of Galilee is mentioned 53 times in the Gospels. It was the backdrop for many of the miracles and stories of Jesus. And, 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 but he's telling them, he says, we need to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And it's primarily because the Sea of Galilee was actually a lake. I've, I've had an opportunity to, to travel there and see it myself and, and go out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And the, but the Gentiles lived on the other side. There were people that he was going to minister to on, on the other side. And, and the Jews looked at the Gentiles as pagan people. And it was common believed, commonly believed even that the devil himself lived on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The other side was uh, unsettling. It was uncertain. And so they'd rather stay away from that. It's kind of like, I don't understand that part of town. So I'm going to stay away from it. I don't, I don't belong over there. And so there was a certain sense of... We've got to stay away from that which is evil. As Jesus called his first followers to go to the other side, it was to teach them that they must go where he commands us. When Jesus Christ told us in Acts chapter 1 to, to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he's commanding us to get out of our comfort zone, get out of our, uh, our normal sphere of influence, and he's trying to move us to action. Call us to action. And so and, and that's what he's doing. He's calling them to the other side. He gave them orders to cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The disciples don't hesitate in the story. In fact, uh, if, there's, uh, if that's where Jesus wants them to go, they're willing to go. So in verse 36, it says, leaving the crowd, he took them, took them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with them. Other boats were going alongside of them. All of a sudden, they took Jesus just as he was. In other words, they took him at face value when he said, we've got to go to the other side. Their resolve is about to be tested, though. As they get into the boat, as they launch out from the seashore, one of the largest storms begin to brew. And the disciples are, are, are puzzled. They're, they're, they're perplexed about what's happening. What could God possibly be doing? 
But we see his plan often includes problems. God's plan often includes problems. You see what happens is, as we're going through life, it's not always going to be sunshine and, and, and tulips. It's not, life's not going to always be rosy and Carolina victories every single day. I mean, occasionally we will, uh, most recently it's been a lot, but uh, occasionally they lose and occasionally your favorite, I mean, people are, uh, Matt and I were texting yesterday, he said, you're actually going to root against Coach K in his last home game uh, at the, uh, I said, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, all day long he's had 42 years of victories there and we're going to bring them down. I mean, We've got to settle the score, so to speak. And I'm just, some of you are all been out of shape. It's okay. Uh, and anyway, but his plan included problems. His plan included getting them to trust him and believe that God was on the throne. And this, if you think about the, the history of the, the Sea of Galilee, it was a it was a freshwater lake, and it was the the lowest freshwater lake. In the world, it's known for severe storms. In fact, uh, cold winds would often whip up across snow-capped Mount Hermon and, and combine with the warm lake air, and, and it would create explosive thunderstorms. And out of nowhere, they would see a massive storm arise on the Sea of Galilee. It was not uncommon to see waves that were 10 to 12 feet high, and uh, some uh, commentators tell us that there were often storms that would exceed 20 feet in waves. So this is the type of storm that's brewing on the Sea of Galilee. It was known to swallow and swallow entire ships of people. It, it was a, a common superstition to, to see the water as the abyss, and this is where the demons lurked in the deep. And besides that, the lake was thought to have had contained the mysterious uh, sea creature called Leviathan. And so there was lots of superstition around the Sea of Galilee. Verse 37 says, A great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. The word windstorm comes from the word uh, megas, which refers to a huge, massive storm. It's like a hurricane and water begins to crash against the sides of the boat and the Word of God tells us it began to fill the boats. In fact, another passage in Luke chapter 8, it says they were in great danger. Friends, let me point out that Jesus sent them on the boat knowing that the storm was coming. Think about it for just a moment. Just pause for a second. Jesus is omniscient. That means he knows everything. And he knew the storm was coming. He says, we've got to get on this boat and go to the other side. There was a, there was a storm he was going to take them through that they could not learn that lesson any other way. And folks, in order to get to the other side, they must go through the storm. But folks, don't think for just a second because you're going through a, a, a choppy sea that you're somehow being punished or you're being, from being disobedient. No doubt God does sometimes punish his children. The, the word of God gives us clarity on that. But, but he's just, if we remember the story of Jonah, he sent a, a big storm and a, and a big fish to swallow him up. And it obviously got his attention. But folks, when the storms come, 
they often are sudden. They, they come and they're, 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 they're catching us by surprise. They come in a split second, seemingly out of nowhere. We're driving down the road and boom, a storm comes. They're, they're severe. They're surprising. And folks, the storms come in life. Maybe it was the, the bad news from the doctor, or maybe it was the bad news at work, or the bad news with your family or your kids, or whatever it may be. And folks, they catch us by surprise. I'm often surprised when a storm hits, but folks, we shouldn't be because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4, 2, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you, to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We're reminded that God knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all omniscient. And the, the, the book, in the book, The Pressure's Off, Larry Crabb uh, argues that God is not a vending machine who's dispensing blessings or rewards for our good behavior. What a thought. What a concept. We need to reject a faith that is filled with a formula that tells God, if I do A, then God will do B for me. God's not in the, the business of bartering. He's not desperate, folks. He longs for us to worship Him and fulfill the purpose for which we were created. But God's not sitting here bartering with you. And I'll tell you one thing, if you'll be faithful to church, I mean, I'm going to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's not how Scripture works. That's not how the gospel works. Because, folks, He did everything on the cross. What he wants us to do is to follow him and to worship him with an obedient, yielded life and give him complete control. And, and folks, he, um, Crab says in this thing, he says, but while we can't always make life work like we want, we can always draw near to God. And folks, if Jesus is who he says he is, then we have nothing to fear. His plans for us may be puzzling, and they often include problems, folks but they also come with His presence. Can I get a witness? Look at that. His plans for us may be puzzling. They often include problems, but they come with what, church? His presence. All right, two of us said that. They come with what, church? His presence. So He says we're going to face problems. It might cause us to be puzzled, but He says ultimately it comes with His presence and with that promise, you and I can rest securely on the promises of God. We see also in uh, the third point in verse 38, He says His plan comes with His presence. His plan comes with His presence. Where is Jesus when this storm begins to rise? Where is Jesus when all of the, 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 the winds and the waves are crashing around the boat there? He's taking a little nap. Anybody ever take a power nap during the day? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, man, I've, I've started working from home the last two years. <laughs> Woo! I mean, that little uh, lunch break is called a nap break. Anybody else have one of those? I have a couch in my office, and there's been a couple times I've had a headache, and I'd take some ibuprofen. So I'm going to lay down, and I've got to set an alarm because I would be gone for two hours, you know. But a, a power nap, 
15, 20, 30 minutes, you wake up and it's like you feel rejuvenated. You feel ready to conquer the remainder of the day. And you know, Maybe you're asking the same question this morning. Where is Jesus during my storm? Verse 38 says, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I'll be honest, I don't think uh, Peter, James, and John were saying, Jesus, do you not care? We're perishing. I don't think that's the way they said. I think there was some excitement, there was some anxiety, there was a lot of uh, noise and volume in the, in the bottom of that boat. He said, Jesus, don't you care? We're dying here. And you're sound asleep in the bottom of the boat. How could you possibly be sleeping? He was sound asleep, and we see a, a picture of the humanity of Jesus. He was tired. He needed to rest. And there's also a picture of him being in total control. Because, folks, when God is in control of every circumstance and storm of our life, we can put our head to, on our pillow at night and sleep with confidence. It gives us a confidence because of his presence. And this had, this had to be some storm. At least four of the disciples were fishermen, and they're starting to freak out. They're used to this stuff. They, they live on the water. They live on a boat. They sleep on a boat. John MacArthur puts it this way. He says, it's a dark day when sailors call on a carpenter to get them out of the storm. <laughs> I mean, what, think about what it must have been like. And they're going, what in the world are we going to do? I mean, it's a storm that's out of control. The disciples are totally undone. They're trying to figure out what's going on, and they're waking up screaming, Teach you, don't you care that we're perishing? And before we get too hard on them, don't we often come to God with the same questions, the same accusation? God, do you not care that we're in the midst of a pandemic? God, do you not care on 9-11? God, do you not care when the doctor says there's nothing else we can do? God, do you not care? That the checkbook is empty. Because see, the reality is sometimes it's easy to point the, the, the finger at Peter. He is the one that stepped out of the boat, folks. Sometimes it's easy to look at James and John and say, where's your faith? Jesus is right there in the boat with you. And folks, we have the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us this morning. If you know Christ is your Savior, and we're going, where's God? I guess he's abandoned me. I mean, and it's popular in 2022 for people to say, you know what? I just, I'm not a Christian anymore. I used to believe that stuff. I don't believe it anymore. And people are walking away and saying, well, I don't believe. No, the same God of Peter, James, and John in the midst of the storm is the same God that we worship and serve today. And he's more than able to deliver us from the storms of life. Psalm 44 verse 23 says, Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us. Forever, There's a sense the, the psalmist David is going, God, wake up. I want you to hear the cries of my heart. But don't confuse God's silence with the lack of compassion. He cares deeply for us. 
In fact, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. There's one thing we is anxiety and depression are very real. And folks, that Jesus Christ is still alive. He's still on his throne, even though we feel all alone and abandoned. He's still there. He still cares. He says, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Matthew Henry says this in his commentary, whenever you're sinking under problems, remember the phrase, don't despair. Christ is there. That's a good reminder. When we're in the midst of of trials, remember, don't despair. Christ is there. He's right there. And in the only storm that we can understand who Jesus, it's only during that storm we understand who Jesus truly is. We learn about his ability to, to uh, not to destroy us, but to develop us, to develop us into faithful followers of Jesus. If Jesus is who he says he is, folks, we will have no fear. His plans, they might be puzzling, they might often be problematic, but folks, it's during those times that we experience his presence, the closeness. We also see his plan demonstrates his power. In verse 39, I love how Jesus was sound asleep in, in the bottom of the boat. But as soon as his children cried out, he woke up. And I asked David and Jen this morning, I said, how are things going at home? And they're like, there is no schedule currently. I mean, it's just we're on high alert. I mean, and that's how it is with the newborn baby in the house. There's no ears like a mother's ears. A mom could go to bed and sleep through a, a, a major thunderstorm and I hear a single thing, but one little sound out of their little baby. Wide awake. Used to amaze me at times. I mean, Tana would have to hit me like three times to wake me up. The twins are crying. The twins need us. I mean, and it was an all on effort. I mean, especially those first two years. I mean, first year, I mean, I've never washed so many bottles and cleaned so many parts in all of my life. And uh, I mean, it was just mind boggling. It was a full on, you know, two on two every night. I mean, two of us trying to get the two of them ready for bed and get ready for the next day. And it was, it was exhausting. But folks, it's during those moments that you experience that presence of God. But we see here, he demonstrates also his power. He says in verse 39, and he awoke, rebuked the wind and said to, his, to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great what, church? Calm. Aren't you thankful that he's the master of the storm? He's the master of the sea. My mom has a, an old hymn that she likes that says, Master, the tempest is raging. And it talks about he called on this very, so, this very story in Scripture, how he calmed the storm and caused it to completely cease. In fact, the last words of that song says, peace be still, peace be still. It's a reminder that when Jesus Christ is on board and in our heart, in our life, folks, he can calm the storms in in this life. And, And he says, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. It's interesting to me, Jesus does not specifically answer the question, 
whether he cared that they were worried about dying. He didn't. He moved on past that because it was a, a bigger thing he was trying to accomplish. He cared because the answer that they needed was to see a demonstration of his power. And all Jesus had to do was utter a command, and that which he created immediately obeyed. Peace. Be still. Kind of reminds me of Genesis 1. Let there be light. And there was light. God separated it from the darkness. When God speaks, all of creation responds. And folks, what a picture. When he stood up, all of the forces of nature took notice. What he creates, he also controls. What he rebuked, when he rebuked the wind and the waves, they bowed before him. The phrase Jesus used to, means to be muzzled or remain so. And He said the same thing in Mark chapter 1, verse 25, when he told the demon to be quiet. Mark is showing us Jesus' power over diseases, over demons, and here in our text, over the deep waters of the sea. In Psalm 89, verse 9, it says, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still it. Put that, underline that verse, put it, Mark it in your Bible, because folks, we need to be reminded, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. God has a way of calming the storms of of life. And with the word, Jesus muzzled a major thunderstorm, major windstorm, and he stopped millions of gallons of water from moving instantaneously. That's the God we serve. He stilled the water, and folks, normally the winds can calm down and the waves will still continue to crash, but they went completely like glass. That is the power in the presence of God. I like what someone said about this passage. No water can swallow the ship where the master of ocean and earth and skies. Folks, when Jesus is on board our life and it comes into our life, he will radically transform us. And folks, there's no storm that's too difficult or too great for our God. After preaching in the, uh, the after, aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, Pastor Fred Luter, who I've heard preach many times, pastored a large church in New Orleans, Louisiana. Pastor Luter, uh, most of his congregation was displaced to other major cities, Houston and Baton Rouge and other places along the, uh, throughout the southeast. And this is what he said. He, he stood up before his congregation. He says, always remember that when the storms show up, so does the Savior. That is powerful, folks. When the storms show up, so does the Savior. He's never late. He's never asleep. He's always on time. And folks, I discovered something really cool this week. The same word that's used to describe the mega storm in verse 37 is also used to describe the mega calm in verse 39. And folks, he calmed the sea and it went completely still. And we see lastly, his plan always has a purpose. Church, you can be sure of one thing this morning. COVID-19 did not come without a purpose. 
God had a purpose. September 11th didn't happen without a purpose. Folks, I don't believe God created it, but he allowed it, and he allows us to go through certain storms of life. And, folks, he's wanting us to learn. The greatest storm that night was not on the Sea of Galilee, but it was in the hearts and souls of the disciples. God was trying to teach them something through this great storm. You look at the last two verses of Mark chapter 4. We see the purpose. Verse 40 says, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? How long have you been traveling with me? We're in chapter 4 of Mark. These guys have been with him every single step of the way. How? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, there's three purposes behind that plan that God has for us. It's to deal with our fear. After rebuking the, the storm, Jesus rebukes the disciples. Because he asked them two questions. He says, why are you so afraid? That word means timid to the point of giving. Why are you so afraid? And maybe I ask you this morning, what are you so afraid of today? What is it in 2022 that has you so terrified and, and paralyzed? What are you afraid of? The presence of fear can indicate an absence of faith because fear and faith are incompatible. You can't live in fear and claim God's faith. You can't live in fear and be crippled uh, and be crippled by fear and experience great faith. So it's just to deal with our fear. Secondly, to grow our faith. That second question says, do you still have no faith? He's, he's calling them out because fear can destroy our faith, folks, and faith can force out all fear. Faith can, faith can force out all fear. The biggest issue is not that Jesus calmed the storm, but that he couldn't, they couldn't find their faith. And it's ironic sometimes that the, only the wind and the waves were obeying him in this passage. Here are his disciples those who had been walking with him every single day for a long period of time, and they have no faith in their God, in their master, in their savior that they're following. But it's also to increase our awe. One pastor said that the only thing worse than having a storm outside of your boat is to have the Lord Almighty inside your boat. <laughs> they were more terrified of Jesus than they were of the storm that was outside the boat raging uh, and the storms of life. After Jesus asked them two questions, the disciples were so unsettled, they're terrified. They asked each other, who is this? Who is this guy? Even the wind and the seas obeyed him. They're, they're sitting there scratching their head. That, like, mind is blown. They don't even know what, how to respond. They're like, who is this person? And how does he have power over the storm? You've heard the calm before the storm, right? This is the storm after the calm. <laughs> the sea is at rest, but the disciples are now all worked up going, we're not exactly sure who this person even is. What is it that he's just accomplished here on, this, on, the, on the, the boat? 
In short, they didn't even have a category to put Christ in. One translation says, what manner of man is this? Who is he? R.C. Sproul says that it was his awesome otherness that made them uncomfortable. And that's exactly what Peter said on a different occasion. He said, when Jesus filled the nets with so many fish that the boat began to sink, Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' feet and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. What happens is when we're in the presence of Almighty God, we don't measure up. And folks, we're in awe of his power, in awe of who he is and the, the ability he has to transform our lives. Remember the, the, the woman who touched the, the hem of Christ's garment in Mark chapter 5. We'll be getting that out here in just a week or two, a couple of weeks. He says, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Here's the deal. Unholy sinners are not comfortable in the presence of a holy God. We've got to get right with God. We've got to confess our sin, our fears, our failures, our sins, and, and Lord, experience the presence and power of an almighty God. If we fear God, we won't fear other things. And it's the only storm that we are truly understand who Jesus is. J. Vernon McGee once said, he says, what a wonderful lesson we learn here. He puts us into the storms of life in order that we might grow closer to him and that we might know him better. I would dare say if we had time this morning, if I would go down, up and down each and every aisle, I believe we would hear testimony of various storms that God has allowed each one of us to encounter and to face and None of us would have chosen those storms. But it was during those storms that we experienced his presence and his power on display that we couldn't understand on just a bright, sunshiny, Carolina blue sky type of day. We had to go through the storm to experience his power on display that would radically transform our faith. So, Pastor, what's the application? I'm glad you asked. Jesus cares for you. And he can help you in your storm this morning. Jesus cares. And he can help you. This incident reveals both the humanity and the deity of Jesus. And folks, he fell asleep in the stern of the boat. That's his humanity. But folks, he spoke and the storm and the seas were completely calm. That's his deity. He can understand what we're going through because he was fully man and fully God. And he can do something about it, folks, this morning, no matter which storm you're facing. Jesus Christ can heal. He can restore. He can, he can mend those broken relationships. Of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. The church says, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He goes on, he says, now let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. 
might receive mercy and find grace to help win church. In our time. Beginning of the service this morning, I ask that someone's in the middle of the storm this morning, we want to pray for you. This is your moment of need. If you'll come to the throne of grace, you'll find mercy this morning. For some of you this morning, it's going to be coming to an old-fashioned altar and saying, I need Jesus to forgive me of my sin and to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. That's the greatest single decision of your entire life. Let me challenge you not to delay that another second. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe you're here this morning, you're facing a, a great trial. Pastor Jackson and myself, we'll be down front. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Don't be embarrassed. Some people are saying, oh, I could never go down front in an invitation. Why not? You're amongst people who love you, who are praying for you, who at some point in their life have also faced various trials of, of different kinds that James talks about. And folks, those trials have only made us stronger in our faith and, and more resilient to trust God. Christ is in complete control of everything. We don't know what's coming, but Jesus does. He's great and he's good. And what do you need to trust him with right now? What is it that you need to trust him with on this Sunday morning, and March the 6th of 2022. What is it that we need to Chuck Swindoll writes, anything under God's control is never out of control. That's a good reminder this morning. Because sometimes the world around us seems completely out of control. And he's saying, no, it's not. It's never out of his control. Psalm 121, verse 3 says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Some of you might be sitting here this morning and said, Pastor David, I feel like God's been sleeping in some of my story. Here's a lot of chance. He's very much in control. And folks, if we'll trust him this morning, he has something he's trying to teach each one of us. And he wants us to listen. He wants us to learn. He wants us to run to him. And we, we're going to all go through storms to get to the other side. And my guess is that over the course of this year, Calvary Raleigh will experience wind and waves and storms. And it's okay. Our family will face storms. Your family is going to face storms. That is part of the process life. But let's make sure that we're focused on growing our faith and living in awe of His presence. We're not promised an easy trip, but we're guaranteed arrival and our destination. And the only way to the other side is through the storm. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning?